Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. I am your host, Chris Eaton. Alright everybody, it is another solo Chris episode. I am sorry to disappoint you, but unfortunately, Jessica is off globetrotting right now. Uh, Fun fact, originally, this episode was going to be uh, our recap of Jessica's trip to Japan for the 65th anniversary of uh, Godzilla. She went out there with... uh, TJ Storm, and there was shenanigans to be had, and uh, we were going to have a nice big recap and talk about the news and going into the holidays and all that wonderful stuff, and then Jessica had to hop back on a plane to Japan two weeks after she just got back for, I think, a combined, I think she's out there for two weeks herself, so there's a lot of, two, two, two going on there. So, she's currently out in Japan covering the uh, International Manga Summit, and then she'll be staying out there for, I think, an additional week to cover Subarayakon that is that will be happening, I think it's on the 8th or 10th. So, when Jessica comes back, I think uh, if we don't, because she'll be back right before Christmas, so I think the first show you'll hear at the beginning of the year will be uh, us recapping her misadventures overseas. So until then, you're stuck with me once again. I apologize. I know. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. She leads a busy, swashbuckling life. So we are going to get into the nitty-gritty of some big news that has happened uh over the last week. As you're listening to this, it is Thanksgiving weekend. It is the day after Black Friday. So hopefully all of you are okay and uh, have uh, not been trampled to death in uh, some of those doorbuster deals. Hmm. Or if you're smart, you're just buying your Christmas gifts online like a lot of other people are. But uh, I figured we would be remiss if we did not touch on... uh, (laughs) these big things and just let it slide by no 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 slouching here so um i'm gonna format this episode a little differently than normal so instead of just hearing me talk continuously for 45 minutes we're gonna break them up in little segments i'm um kind of stealing kyle's format a little bit so put a little music in there uh to break up the the monotony of, of things and not only that but uh, at the end of the show, stay tuned because we will have the details for our Kaiju Christmas giveaway. Uh, if you entered last year, you know you got some cool stuff. We're doing it again this year. So just spreading the the love and the joy of the holiday seasons to all of you guys that listen to us. And on that note, I'm going to... So that we're going to segue over to our first song. And then uh, when we come back, uh, let's delve into some of the big news.
All right. So let's get digging into some monumental news that came out of the Tokyo Comic-Con last weekend. Uh, out of nowhere, no one saw this coming. No one had any clue. Well, I think people had clues. People in the know. But I don't know those people. But anyway, to us, uh, you know, us uh, people on the street, uh, Marvel announced they have obtained the license for Ultraman. And they're going to be doing an Ultraman comic in 2020. Uh, Editor-in-chief, C- uh, C.B. Sabluski, Sub- uh, I believe I'm saying his name right, uh, came out onto the main stage at the Tokyo Comic Con and told everyone, hey, guess what? The biggest comic company in the world is going to be doing an Ultraman line. Um, and that, that, I mean, there's a lot of people who are completely flabbergasted by it. Now, at first, people were like, wait, is Marvel buying Ultraman? Because, you know, Disney likes to buy things. No, no, this is not that. This is a school, just purely a licensing deal which means that marvel has you know acquired the character to use to make a comic book for you know god only knows how long they're going to so what does that mean well first off this is going to be the first major original ultraman comic published in north america uh that is a very very big deal um uh, I say that major because uh, there was briefly in the early 90s a comic based on Ultraman Towards the Future produced by Harvey Comics uh, under their Nemesis imprint. And if you don't know Harvey Comics, well, that's because they haven't been around in about 30 years. Uh, they were the comic label that created Casper the Friendly Ghost, Richie Rich, um, a couple of other, you know, uh, like little kind of like uh, I think hot stuff. The little devil was was part of that run. So towards the end of their lifespan, they uh, they released a four part, eh, I think it's five issues, including the weird one shot of uh, a, a tie in to Ultraman Towards the Future. Even though it kind of wasn't a proper adaptation, it was it was a weird kind of you know f all like take on Ultraman towards the future uh it had some awesome covers though like i remember buying that first uh polybagged book like on uh, a newsstand in uh south dakota during a um family trip and was like oh man this is awesome the book didn't really survive uh and it's kind of faded into obscurity kind of like the uh gamma dark horse book um i think that maybe that might be one it might be an episode for the near future that's just gonna delve into that thing but beyond that there has never really been an Ultraman comic book here in North America. There's been, God only knows how many mangas of uh, of the character over the you know the nearly 60 years of the character's um, existence. But you know, Japan has all the cool stuff because that's where it's from. We, on the other hand, have that. Viz, I believe, in the mid 90s released a. Um, uh, they, I think it was like eight issues of Battle of the Ultra Brothers. I had two of those books. They were they're kind of cool. It was my first introduction to the likes of um, Zafi and Ultra Seven and Taro. And it, I mean the the point I believe the Hideki Anno animation project. There was a a short created based on that that one of the storylines in that book. Um, I'll see if I can post it in the show notes. And then after that, the only other thing that we got was Dark Horse releasing the adaptation of, uh, or just uh, releasing a, a translation of the Ultraman Tiga manga. I think there was like eight eight issues in general. Um, and that, that was it. That's all we've gotten. So this is a very, very big deal <laughs> for everybody involved. Um, for me, I mean, I, like, I'm... <sighs> I've kind of steered clear of buying Marvel and DC lately. I haven't. I've, I've kind of stepped aside of buying comic books in general, just because uh, the two big companies haven't really. There's nothing really to, to grasp me. Like others, I love these characters to death, but at the same time, like I hate Marvel business practices. The fact that you know you can't keep one line going. It. It. The. 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 OCD in me can't 
deal with the constant resetting every 16 months. Like, we got to go back to number one because we don't know what we're doing and our sales are low. So, um, but yeah, that this is this is something. So, no creative team has been announced yet. No artist, no writer. Something tells me that they already have someone in mind. Uh, as to what this entails, well, that's a whole different thing. Marvel hasn't really been in the licensing game for a good long while. As far as I know, uh, the last few things they've licensed, I think we're, I think they did those Stephen King books, and that's about it. In fact, Marvel's been kind of like sub-licensing uh, a lot of stuff to uh, companies like IDW lately, like especially a lot of the Star Wars stuff that they have, and that's not a license because Disney owns Marvel, they own Star Wars, so. They're, those are all together, so that's that doesn't really count as a license. Um, now the question I have is, are they going to go the wacky route that Marvel went back in the '70s and '80s when they would do these licensed books and incorporate them into the Marvel universe? I mean, for those that don't know, uh, when Marvel had Transformers back in the '80s, um, the 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 very infamous Simon uh, Furman run. That uh, they incorporated a lot of Marvel characters. All that stuff happened in the Marvel universe. Same thing with Conan. Same thing with uh, Shogun Warriors. Like they, they're just like, yeah, put them all there. It all takes place in the same, same general universe. Famously, the Godzilla comic, which I love to death, that '70s Godzilla comic, uh, pretty much went that whole route. It's like, all right, we're doing a Godzilla book, but Godzilla is in the Marvel universe. He fights. The champions. He fights the Fantastic Four. He's fighting Shield, and he fights the Avengers, and they all fight at the very end. And not only that, but we're going to create a whole roster of characters for him. And you got Yetigari, you have the Beta Beast, you got um, the coolest thing that came out of that book, Red Ronin. All that. It's part of the reason why I absolutely adored King of the Monsters. Uh, it's because that film embraced a lot of those kind of kind of goofy but fun elements of that marvel book i mean the whole monarch having like their giant uh helicarrier style ship and everything like that like that had me grinning from ear to ear so that's the question i'm asking right now is are we going to see ultraman integrated to the marvel universe most likely probably not but it would be fun to see some like offshoots because again super rise probably gonna have to clear everything and in this day and age it's a little harder to have like multi uh, uh like multi-licensed characters kind of like kind of cross paths comics i do think it's still a little easier than anything else but we'll see we'll see what super is if they were smart they would allow marvel to have some fun with the character and um you know maybe have him have him meet uh iron man and a couple of other uh you know other marvel stalwarts but beyond that uh this is this is something cool this is something good i mean since the Chayo uh, settlement was done, I, I applauded Subaraya on their move, their their ability to move forward and to start kind of expanding Ultraman's presence into the West. Um, I mean, last year we had uh, Gridman make it over here uh, in anime form, which was a fantastic series, and I believe it's finally coming out on DVD. Mm, excuse me, but the, and with the Mill Creek releases i've ever i haven't got my own yet because holidays and all that good stuff but everybody i've talked to has they've been raving about these things and that's awesome that is fantastic we're finally seeing a decent release of these characters out here and marvel doing that marvel kind of putting him out there is even better because it just gets him expanding into the uh into the zeitgeist even more um at the, how well the book will do that's to be seen so uh we'll keep you updated on uh, uh when uh, we hear the, you know talks of a creative team whether or not this is going to be a limited series it's going to be an ongoing those are the things that you know i guess we'll hear probably by comic-con if the book isn't even out if the book is not out yet i i, I would assume that it's probably already being worked on and we probably will see something by about july or august um but yeah, no, this is this is all good. This is great, and I part of the, my, my conspiracy part of my brain thinks that uh, this is them dipping their toes into possibly 
bring in the Toei Spider-Man, which they own lock, stock, and barrel. They own that whole thing. And finally giving him his own series that he's deserved for the years. So that that's what I want more than anything else. I pray we get that. I pray that we get a... Even give me like a fun one-shot of Ultraman and the Toei Spider-Man teaming up and fighting a monster. So, and uh, one other thing too. What I do hope... I. I really hope that Marvel kind of embraces this. And part of me kind of doesn't want them to just adapt the classic Ultraman. Um, part of me kind of wants them to make their own Ultraman. And ex- use that universe they got. Use Hopefully they have access to the other Ultraman. Hopefully they can use Seven. Hopefully they can use Zafi. Hopefully they can use Ace. Um you know, if anything, the 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 anime on Netflix has you know opened people up to getting to know these characters a bit more too as well. So hopefully they have that. Part of me would be overjoyed if they created their own Ultraman to tell their own stories. You know, not just you know rehashing what's been done before. You know, maybe you could put the Baltans in there. You could put Red King in there. But also maybe create your own characters. Create you know, give me Ultraman Marvel or Ultraman Marv, whatever you want to call them. And give me those wacky misadventures. Play with the character, you know, a, a, a bit. I mean, the, there's been so many incarnations and different power sets and stuff now that, you know, it does leave a lot open to interpretation. And, you know, there could be, this book could be tremendously fun if done right. And I, I'm hoping, you know, they they go that route. You know, I know that uh, Sibliski is a big fan of Japanese culture in general. Um, just I'm gonna leave it at that. You can look up his name and see why that's true, and that's that's also kind of funny. Uh, I'm not gonna go into that right now. So this past weekend, 
Um, as you as you're hearing this, uh, there was a show out here in Southern California called DesignerCon or Decon, as uh, it's abbreviated to. Uh, for those uninitiated, uh, it is a show uh, geared towards uh, art and more of like urban art uh, and designer and designer art. So. Uh, there's a lot of pop culture stuff there. It is big into the collectible vinyl market as well. There's a lot of small companies there promoting their their wares. Uh, a lot of uh, t-shirt companies, a lot of uh, artists just in general there. You know, so it's like a giant artist alley if a Comic-Con just had that. And you go there, it is an assault on the eyes because, wow, is there a ton of color in this place. Uh, every poster maker is there. Again, like I said, every vinyl you know uh, designer is there. Uh, there are effects artists there, all kinds of stuff. Big companies like Bates, um, uh, Mizco, uh, like every single like uh, uh, poster uh, dealer or art dealer is there that they have licenses to do like uh, um, art based on films and stuff. They're all there. Oh, it's, it's a big big deal, and there's big money being transferred at this place because i saw people dropping thousands on like two three of a kind vinyl figures by big name by by artists that are big in this circle so while i was out there uh walking the show mondo uh the company responsible for doing a lot of art prints uh, in their own right uh they had a booth there uh this is their second year of the show last year they showed up um because uh, it was the first time they did it at the Anaheim Convention Center, so there was room to do it. They showed up with a few things, and usually, the, the more or less, they treat this show as it's the end of the year. Let's uh, let's sell a lot of the stuff we couldn't sell at the other shows. Like let's clear out our inventory, and uh, you know we'll we'll create a few cool things, you know, that are exclusives here. And the beauty is about this show, it's easy to get into because not a lot of people are going, and the vinyl figures. And a lot of the other stuff, it's like, oh, man, like, I couldn't get into Comic-Con, but they got some Comic-Con stuff like that. Sweet, I can get this. Medicom is there. This is the only show I know of in my head that Medicom shows up to in North America. They got a booth of booths. Like, these guys are not screwing around. In fact, uh, they had some uh, exclusive uh, Vinyl War figures that I picked up in. Uh, Between you and I, uh, paid for a lot of people's Christmas presents. So... But back to Mondo. So roll into that Mondo booth. Um, there to pick up a uh, uh, something I missed at Comic-Con. And yeah, fair warning, it's full disclosure, I'm not the biggest Mondo fan. I'm not the biggest on their, just say some of their practices. They've gotten better about it in the years. But for the most part, like I'm still always kind of wary when I'm buying from them. They do have the Godzilla license now. And the main reason I'm rolling into that booth is they have that sweet-looking Geigen shirt. And there's not enough Geigen shirts, if you ask me, in, in the world. And I needed something to add to my growing collection of, of T-shirts. So as I'm walking up, uh, I walk by. It's a big 20 by 20 booth. And on the the left side of the booth, they have this glorious display case setting, as they do at all their shows. And in one in one display case, they got their version of the Mad Balls that you know Kenner used to sell back in the 80s that they're doing with the, the Universal Monster license and the horror license that they got. And then they're showing their 12-inch He-Man line that they're doing. These actually really kind of like wonderfully sculpted He-Man figures. They're, and they're huge, too. They're 12 inches. These things are not little play toys. And on the bottom booth, they're like, here's what we have for sale. I'm like, oh, sweet. They got some of the Scott Pilgrim Ramona figures left over. I'm going to pick me up a couple of those. But the thing that caught my eye, uh, which was at the tip of the booth, was a display. It was underneath some of their uh, they, they their their uh, Iron Giant figures that they got coming out. And looked down, like, hey, I'm like, whoa, wait, what? Uh, eh? Like, I was at a loss for words. Mondo made a big announcement at the show that kind of flew under the radar because, again, it's Designer Con. This isn't Comic Con. This is a smaller show. So I was shocked that they were even announcing anything. But they had on display uh, a line of vinyl figures for, of all things, Polgasari. 
Yes. Okay, so if you know anything, if you're in the circle and you know anything about this movie, you know how insane that sounds in general. Freaking Pulgasari. The kaiju of North Korea. Um, the symbol of communism, if you will. And it is the Kwando and all of their capitalist wonderment is making a vinyl line of this monster. And I lost my mind. I'm like, what? So the in the cabinet were five figures. And the four of them were these smaller eight inch, which is not small to begin with, if you, if you know your, your sizes. These eight inch figures, they were colored differently. And that's a staple of doing vinyl figures because you have one mold, but you can repaint the hell out of them. And people dig those repaints sometimes. So they have four of them. One was a kind of a green color. One was like a red fiery color. Kind of looks like um, the Burning Godzilla. There's like a pastel uh, greenish one. And then there was like a blue one with like a big yellow belly. And then in the center was this 12-inch Polgasari figure. It was a completely different sculpt from the the other four. The other four are very universal. They look very much akin to the suit that was created for the film. This one, though, this big mother, he was the center, clearly the centerpiece of this line. And when you get a close-up of him, he was awesome. So this figure looked like the artist and the, the Mondo and the sculptor who worked on it. I don't know who. I couldn't get a, an answer out of them. Uh, took a little little more creative liberty with the look of the monster. Now he does he's not like this is what we would do. It's like no no no. They just they added a little more just meanness to his face. Like there's a lot more detail in the figure itself. The the scales going down the neck, the 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 snout, the eyes, everything. Give the devil his due. Because again, like again, I'm always wary of Mondo's practices. They, if these are what we are going to be getting, they knocked it out of the goddamn park because these are magnificent-looking figures. So, to make my purchases, I go ask the the, the guy running the booth. I'm like, um, so this Bulgasari figure is like, yeah, they're cool, huh? I'm like, yeah. Uh, when are they coming out? 2020. When? Don't know yet. Okay, how much are they going to cost? Couldn't tell you. All right. And uh, <laughs> the thing that hit my mind later is like, who did you license these from? Because Bulgasari is pretty much owned by the North Korean uh, communist regime. Like, that was a state-made film produced by Kim Jong-il and directed by a man who was kidnapped against his will. Couldn't answer that either. So, uh, part of me is pickled tink, uh, tickled pink, sorry, that uh, <laughs> such a communist... Uh, uh, symbol is being sold under the seedy umbrella of capitalism, but I don't. That's part of me. Part of it. Part of that makes me want it even more. Um, but these are magnificent-looking figures. They're being sold as Pulgasari, Monster of the North, uh, and hopefully by Comic Con we will have a release date for these things. Now, knowing what I know of of, of Mondo. And just kind of basing it on, because the big guy was the same scale as their um, He-Man figures. And the He-Man figures are running about 150 to 200 apiece. I'm assuming that's what we're going to be paying for this big this big guy. And I would say that's not that bad of a deal, considering the price on, you know, if you're a vinyl collector in general, I know a lot of people listening to this are huge into the vinyl scene, uh, you, you've paid much more for less. And... Uh, for the quality of this figure, if it is what I think it is, because they the cabinets weren't open, so I took as many pictures as I could through the reflectiveness of those cap of cabinets. Um, if you're paying about 200 for that, that that's still a steal. This the eight inch figures probably going to be about 100 a piece, knowing you know just basing it on past instances of uh, figures that um, Mondo has released. Now, part of me is hoping that this is a test run for them putting out more obscure kaiju or just doing a kaiju line in general part of me kind of hopes that they they might do a godzilla line now that they have the the license this might be like a test shot at it and okay if this goes well 
Maybe we can do a line of our own. Maybe we do, or we can just keep doing obscure. Maybe we do a young. I would love for them to do a younger line. I would love to do. I would love to have a set of the 60s youngery and the late 90s early 2000s reboot one the that terrible movie but an awesome looking design uh i would love for that uh but again we'll see um again no release on these things but the th- this came out of like left field and i everybody <laughs> lost their mind these pictures blew up like a wildfire uh, that afternoon, like I, everybody was, I like believe me, my phone was blown up by people that I haven't talked to in a while. Like, wait, 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 can you wait? How, how much, when, where? I'm like, that's that's as much as I know. So until they Mondo themselves release an official uh, pricing point, and everything like that, these are just hearsay as they have right now. I mean, and far as we know, you know, unless some, barring anything happens, they might, you know, something could happen, and they might not even see the light of day. But as as far as we know, this is happening. So, good on them, because this is weird and obscure. And there's not a ton of Pulgasari stuff out there for that very reason. There's a few Japanese vinyls that I know of, uh, and they are all exceptionally expensive, because they're all exceptionally rare. There's, I think there's two large large figures that are like uh, 18 inches that run into the like low thousands. So... This might be your one and only chance to get any, like, in an official merchandise of any sort of uh, this obscure, <laughs> frankly, whacked out film. So, uh, yeah, good, good, Armando, good in you guys for uh, for taking a chance with something like this. Okie dokie, last bit of news and something I think deep down we all knew was coming. Godzilla vs. Kong has been officially delayed. Word broke Monday that Warner Brothers was pushing back the film to November 2020, which means we got 11 more months to go. Uh, To some, this is not a surprise, uh, considering that the film was already moved once originally was set for uh the end of may of 2020 and then warner brothers like no let's move it to march where godzilla uh king of the monsters was originally going to come out where kong skull island came out and after the let's just call it what it is the lackluster return for king of the monsters hit a lot of people started questioning it's like well it's gonna happen now. Like, are they gonna we're gonna keep this train going forward, or, or what? There were rumors that maybe the movie will get dumped to Warner Brothers streaming service, which, by the way, that was never going to happen. Let's be honest here. And um, yeah, now now we know. 
November holiday season uh, next year. Uh, and it'll, it, it, it's not a it's not a bad thing. This is not a slight on the movie in any way. Um, all things considered, let, let, let's break this down here. So, what happened? Well, Godzilla vs Kong or Godzilla vs Kong's third movie, depending on how this goes, determines whether or not we see more Kong and Godzilla films. I know Toho has been big on like, yeah, keep it going. You know why? Because it's less money out of their pocket that they actually have to produce something for themselves to keep the character alive. Uh, I know everybody is in the IP game. Godzilla and Kong are fairly big IPs. The first, the first Godzilla movie and Kong both did exceptionally well. Uh, King of the Monsters did not live up to the uh, to the hype or you know expectations that Warner Brothers wanted, but again, not exactly that film's fault. Say what you will about it, everyone has an opinion. I personally loved the shit out of that movie, and I have uh, vehemently defended it against naysayers. But uh, this, you have to look at a bigger problem in general that's going on um, in in theaters right now. This past year, so f- I mean, we're 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 31 days out from the end of 2019. We're going into a brand new decades pretty soon. And uh, this is, <laughs> when we look back, the the aughts, if you will, the, the, or the teens, whatever we're going to call this decade, would be a very perplexing and uh, interesting one. I mean, this is where we saw the true boom of the superhero genre. This is where streaming became a juggernaut. It changed the way how we view things. It changed how, you know, what, what projects get off the ground now. Uh, I mean... <sighs> Ten years ago, you never would have seen something like, and off the top of my head, like Bright, the Netflix original film, Bright, that no one would have would have approved that. Nobody. That never would have gotten off. And if it would have, it would have been a tiny little thing that would have been swept under the rug. And uh, say what you will about that film, it, it, it's it's it is creative and it is a risk taker. Is it good? Hmm, that depends on your definition of good. I thought it was fine. There were some flaws with it, but you know what? I'm I applaud Netflix for like. Yeah, let's do a, a modern-day fantasy film set in Los Angeles. Like, why the hell not? And that's – I think that's where we're going to see the true power of streaming. I mean, we got those uh, – we get we got Daredevil, and we got the rest of the Marvel shows. Say what you will about that. Punisher and maybe Luke Cage. Uh, but it, now, you know, we're coming to the end of that, and with streaming being what it is. Now, you know, we had Disney Plus launched – uh, HBO Max launches, I think, in May. That's going to be Warner Brothers' streaming service. I know uh, NBC is doing their Peacock thing. Uh, and much like what we're seeing here, uh, movie-wise, we're probably going to see in streaming format where uh, a few of these streaming services probably won't make it, you know, past 2023, 2024. So, uh, but that's for another another day, another uh, another show. But general box office, box office has been down this year. Even though there have been record numbers being made, the overall gestalt of things is that uh, attendance is down and profits are down. And you're like, how can that be? Like, Avengers made all the money in the world. Like, yes, it did. But nothing else did. You know, this the summer was pretty much showing that everyone is conditioned to Disney. Like, everyone's conditioned to, like, that. you see that Disney name, and, uh, yeah, we're going to go. And even that itself was not immune to disappointment. So, uh, to begin the summer, we had Avengers Endgame. This is the main reason why Warner Brothers initially moved Godzilla King of the Monsters out of uh, that mid-March release, because they wanted to avoid both Captain Marvel... And they wanted to avoid the onslaught because Avengers was the last week of April. It wasn't even the first week of May. It was the last week of April. So that window got even smaller for this big tentpole film to really stretch its legs. So they moved it to the end of May where there wasn't a ton of competition in their minds after that. They, everyone figured Avengers would have run out of gas by, you know, second week of May in, in in many ways it kind of did. There was a lot of people that were like, ah, when and done, I'm good. Everybody in the brothers saw it opening weekend, and a lot of people, 
you know, much like, you know, every Marvel fanatic, they went and saw it multiple times. But, uh, unfortunately, eh, there was a cascading effect going on here. May saw everyone blow their, their, their collective wad on freaking Avengers. You had a week off, and then you had Detective Pikachu, another legendary Warner Brothers joint production that had, it actually got great reviews, people were super into it. And it had a, a, a strong opening, but the film underperformed. And they're like, well, you know, what what else? I mean, what what else do people want? I mean, and to be fair, I love Detective Pikachu. And I honestly thought it was the proper way to go over doing a film of kids walking around, getting into what is essentially over-glorified cockfights with their uh, made-up monsters. So... I mean, the the power of Ryan Reynolds couldn't draw people in. I mean, what else could? Then you had John Wick show up. And John Wick was the first post-Avengers success story. That movie, I think, cost $75 million and made $300 million domestically. That was like, all right, cool. Like, now we're back on track. Then you had Aladdin, which, say what you will about that movie, the movie made money. Uh, I believe it did... I think it did about on par with what they were expecting it to do. It definitely did much better than Dumbo in terms of uh, live-action films. This, this year, Disney had four live-action adaptations of their classic cartoons. You had Dumbo, you had Aladdin, you had Lion King, and you had uh, the Maleficent sequel. Two of those did well, two of those did not. Um, and uh, that's, you know, again, what we're looking at here. So, Aladdin did well, then we came into Godzilla... Godzilla didn't open strong as strong as uh, the first one did. People were like, huh, I wonder what's going on. Well, no one bothered to look back at the the giant wave of other films that were still in theater. Avengers still took up a lot of screens. You had John Wick taking up screens. You had Pikachu taking up screens. And you had Aladdin taking up a lot of screens. So the first Godzilla opened in 2014 against nothing. It was that uh, second weekend opening. It was, like, it was like May 9th or something like that. I think it was May 9th or May 14th. It was some. It was first or second weekend, uh, as I rec- I think it was second weekend, 2014. So we had Marvel. Want to say we had that wasn't Avengers, was it? No, that was before Avengers. That was uh, so. Oh yeah, there's Captain America. So there was nothing to go against it. There was very few things to really go against it. Uh, so, hence why it opened at 90 million, and why King of the Monsters opened at, I think, like, 45 million, which a lot of people are like, ooh, okay. And then, a week later, they're like, alright, well, hey, here's X-Men. X-Men tanked. This is where people really started kind of, like, if you were in the, the, the theater industry, you were really kind of pulling your collar a little bit, going, ooh, because X-Men tanked. Then, the week later, you had Men in Black International. That tanked. Shaft tanked, tanked, tanked. Everything was tanking left and right. Uh, you, I think, uh, let's see, um, the Toy Story four hit, and people were like, "Oh, good, this is gonna, we're gonna have another gigantic, you know, colossal opening." And it opened big, but it didn't open as big as Disney was hoping. Even Toy Toy Story of all of all of Disney's properties, Toy Story underperformed. And that's hard to believe considering the enormous box office made, but it underperformed. That is not a cheap movie, especially coming back for a fourth film. All those voice, all those actors, they get paid a lot more. The budget goes up because these guys get paid more because, well, that's just how it works. The animation, the budget on the thing is up. So the return was not as great as, say, like uh, they had with um, last year with Incredibles 2, which, you know, you had a build, you had you know, 10 years in between Incredibles 1 and Incredibles 2. So, Toy Story 4, people were like, yeah, we love it. But, you know, it's, it is it is what it is. It didn't didn't exactly set the world on fire. And then you had another couple of weeks of just mediocre duds here and there. You had, you know, an occasional little sleeper hit, like something like Hereditary pop up. But beyond that, it wasn't, you know, you're like, ooh, okay. Um, ooh, this is looking grim. Then comes Spider-Man. Now, Spider-Man was not a Disney release. That was a Sony release because Sony's deal with uh, Marvel is you can use the character. You put it... Any of the movies we make are set in the Marvel Universe. 
But any solo Spider-Man movies that have Marvel Disney characters in them, we get the bulk of. And that's what led to the whole shebang uh, at the end of summer between Sony and and Disney saying that we're done, we're walking away, blah, blah, and then they kiss and made up. Uh, that's not done yet, mark my words. Um, you're going to see a lot, a, a much bigger uh, uh, thing come out of this in, 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 in about a, in this time next year. There's going to be a lot of complaining. Just, just watch. Spider-Man hit out the hit out the uh, the park, like awesome. And then uh, you turned around, you had Lion King, which made a crap load of money. Why? Because it's Disney, and people were are we're we're creatures of habit. You're like, all right, well, let's go see the Lion King. It's one of the most beloved Disney animated films. Let's see how they do in live action. Uh, probably, you know, personally. Best left as an animated film. I was going to say that. I love John Favreau. I love Lion King. This was a movie that didn't need to be made. So I sat there watching. I'm like, why? Why did you do this? But everyone else felt, yeah, let's do it. And then we rolled into Hobbs and Shaw, which, which you know, did well. But people were like, oh, it's the lowest. It's the lowest Fast and Furious movie. Well, it's a technically a spinoff. It's not part of the main. Con- it's it's in the it's in the series, but it's not part of the. The main line, you know, you don't have Vin, you don't have the rest of the character. You just got The Rock and you got uh, Jason Statham. So I don't know what they're... It's much like the Bumblebee movie. They're like, yeah, this was the lowest lowest opening Transformers film. It's like, yeah, it's also a smaller film. It doesn't cost... It didn't cost nearly as much as the other ones. I don't know what you people, like the analysts, were thinking. It's like, yes, it's a smaller Transformer film. So obviously it's not going to be as big as the other ones. So, and then... It was looking grim, and we rolled into uh, the beginning of fall with It 2, and they're like, all right, cool. It 1, two years ago, did Gangbusters. It 2, not so much. Mm. And they really got people like, oh, okay, so now what? It was looking kind of grim there for a while. A little movie came along called Joker. A movie by all means everyone had written off a joker solo film an origin movie a there are people asking why would you do this b no batman who what, what then who cares c then you had the conspiracy theory that it was you know by a bunch of uh, uppity sides are like this is going to lead a massive incels to revolt and all this stuff. no no it didn't it didn't and because everyone brought up that we shooting by the way that guy did not Dress up like the Joker. He did not proclaim he was the Joker. That was so, that was hearsay from something that got into the legend of that whole thing. And guess what Joker did? It did the same thing Venom did the year before that everyone written off. It was a phenomenal hit. Joker made a billion dollars worldwide. That is without China, too. Uh, that is unprecedented. Unprecedented. The, a, an R-rated movie makes a billion dollars. And everyone was like, oh, okay, so maybe we take heed and, and maybe take a lesson here and how to, you know, because th- this was a passion film. This was Todd Phillips wanting to do his own take on the Joker and the mythos and everything like that. And he struggled to get Warner Brothers to sign off on it. And they said, fine, go do it. This doesn't take place in the DC universe. This is all one shot, which I'm completely fine with. If you want to give me a main universe and spinoff films, that's all I've, I'll take both. And uh, it it was a major hit for everybody. And now they're going to make another one because why not? You don't walk away from a film that makes a billion dollars and, you know, a character that has years of um, years of stories to tell and not, not try that again. So uh, the whole, if it wasn't for those few movies, Avengers, Joker, um, the Disney films, maybe John Wick, this year, this year's been kind of a bust. The overall attendance is down. Overall, the box office, I think, I read from 2018 to 2019 is down by almost half a billion. And I know people are like, well, what? That, that's, you know, that in the bigger thing, like, is that really a bad thing? It's like, it, it kind of is. It kind of is because in this day and age, the way box office works is you're, it's, it's not like 10, 15 years ago where movies had legs and 
the home video release wasn't three months out. It was like six to eight months out. You know, you had to wait. If you didn't see it in theaters, you're going to have to wait a few few months before it was released on DVD. Now they announced the DVD release, the special edition steelbook, before the damn movie's even in theaters because it's just a factory setting now. Everyone's just churning everything out. And everything is either a massive super budget, $100 million or more, or it's micro budget, under under $10 million, which is why Joker was such a big deal. Joker was uh, that rare mid-range film that 40 that 30 to 50 million dollar movie that um had a huge return that they don't really make anymore and so hopefully that's and that that, that's a thing that i think a lesson that a lot of studios should be looking at and should be taking it to to heart is that uh let's start reading in the budgets and some of these things let's start being creative again let's you know and i think that that comes down to you know if you're not doing a block you know a blockbuster film like you can do something smaller. I would argue that, you know, even these the these MonsterVerse films could probably take a a page out of that. And you know, look, I'm I, again, I loved King of the Monster. I've loved everything that these legendary films have done so far. Like I'm I am completely happy with everything. And if uh, Kong, if is there any indication of Godzilla versus Kong, I'm probably gonna be very happy with that too. Again, I still I believe me. There's part of me that doesn't even believe that this film's even coming out, or the fact that. As far as I know, it's done. It's shot. It's in the can. Um, uh, that's the other thing, too, is the fact that it's eight months that leaves it open to tweaking, which Warner Brothers is notorious for screwing up. Uh, they did it with uh, Batman vs. Superman. They did. They they really did. The thing they did dirty was Suicide Squad. If you know anything about that story, real quick, David Ayer directed Suicide Squad, had a, had had his version ready to go. Uh, Warner Brothers put out that trailer set to uh, the Sweets Ballroom Blitz. We were like, oh, yeah, they really took to that. But unfortunately, I guess the final film did not reflect the tone that that trailer put out. So Warner's gave the movie to that company that cut the trailer to cut their own version of Suicide Squad without David Ayer's input. And then when they brought it back, they're like, oh, okay, so let's take this, let's take David Ayer's cut, and then mashed it into like a Frankenstein version. Kind of like what happened with Justice League as well. And screwed the pooch, pretty much. Like, And look, I like Suicide Squad. I like most of that, for the most part, that movie's fun. I like it. But I can, there's a extended cut out there that there's like a, there's a few things that I literally stood up screaming when I watched them. Like, why would you cut this out? Because part of the problem is that everyone feels that, yeah, I keep it under 90 minutes to, to two hours on certain things. And then, you know, there are times, believe me, there are times I, I watch a Marvel movie, I'm like, there could have been a couple of liberal uses of the scissors on this. I felt that with uh, Endgame as well. That movie went a little too long for my taste. But uh, I'm hoping against hope that this is not the case with Kong vs. Godzilla. I know there's a lot riding on this franchise with this last film. And unlike Kong and King of the Monsters, uh, you know, King of the Monsters was like, we got Gator, we got Rodan, we got Mothra. You know, the the, the the monsters that your average on-the-street person would probably know if they're not deep into, you know, this 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 fandom. Kong and Godzilla, that's a big, that that's a different thing altogether. You got King Kong and you have Godzilla and they're going to fight. And I, your average Joe is probably going to turn up for that no matter what. They're like, oh, shit, like, uh, do I have to watch the other movies? No? All right, I'm just, I, I'm tuning in for for this. I mean, the, say what you will about the, those Alien vs. Predator movies. That first one made a, a, a decent, you know, a, a decent profit. Enough to, to, you know, garner a sequel that was absolute garbage. I mean, even more garbage than the first one. And Freddy vs. Jason was a huge hit. People like... Like the they, they like seeing the two icons clash. That's part of the reason why these Marvel movies work is because you're seeing characters that we had zero clue were ever going to like even be little you know ever be on the screen at the same time, let alone have a conversation with each other. That is the overall winning formula of these films. And uh, something tells me that Kong versus Godzilla, depending whether or not you're a hardcore fan and you like what they do with it. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to suffer the same ills that um, that begot um, King of the Monsters at all. 
because it's just the the it's it's an easier sell. It's Godzilla fighting King Kong, and if it's at, if it's action packed, it's those tra- depending on how those trailers look, I got a feeling everyone's going to turn out. And a holiday weekend. I mean, right now I'm looking at the release schedule for next November, and uh, the big thing was uh, Godzilla and Kong are taking the spot originally held by Dune. Um, Dune's being pushed to December. Why? Uh, I guess because they feel that it has the best bet there. Something tells me Dune will probably get pushed back too. Um, again, I don't even know why they're they're pursuing Dune because. They tried it once, and uh, David Lynch, which, by the way, <laughs> again, David Lynch may not have been the perfect guy to do Dune. I know there's a lot of Dune fans out there, but it's not really one of those things that, like, leap out. And, you know, it's it's a little more, it's, it's, it's deep sci-fi stuff. There's a lot of uh, stuff. And, but if, I mean, if you watched last week's South Park, they made a lot of Dune references with the spice melange. Um... So I don't know exactly how much the world is clamoring for a, a new Dune movie, but they're doing it. So Warner Brothers probably took a look like, yeah, this isn't exactly a big holiday film for the weekend before Thanksgiving. But people will probably turn out to see Godzilla fighting King Kong. You know, everyone's in town. Everyone is, uh, you know, after they're done having dinner, it, it, you know, uh, the... Thanksgiving Day is one of the biggest days, you know, theater going wise. So, if you have your choice, what are you going to go watch? Well, let's go watch King Kong fighting Godzilla. Because right now, as I'm looking at November 20th, which is a Friday, so you'll have a five day. You'll have five days before, and then you'll have um, on Thanksgiving itself. So there's only two other. There's only two releases. So let's see. Let's do Friday first. So you got the Happiest Season, which is a it's a romantic comedy starring Kristen Stewart and uh, Mackenzie Davis, and then uh, you have an Untitled Amblin Project, which uh, no one really knows about. And that's Universal's release, which might also get pushed back. Then there's a movie called Samaritan. And then Kong vs. Godzilla. The weekend before that, you have an untitled Universal event film. And I believe that's going to be Clifford the Big Red Dog. And then uh, bef- and then uh, Paramount Family... Actually, no. Paramount is Clifford. Universal will have something, but they haven't announced it yet. And then the first week of November, the only big thing out there is Marvel's Eternals. And um, something tells me that's not exactly going to be a home run for Marvel either. And there's there's a strong possibility that might get moved too Um, once we get closer to it. Uh, Again, I don't know how much people are clamoring for Jack Kirby's... And this isn't a diss on Jack Kirby at all. This is the Eternals. This is Deep Cut's stuff that Marvel plays around with on their cosmic side and I get Marvel for their movie stuff they're setting up the cosmic stuff right now now that they apparently got Fantastic Four and Galactus and all that stuff back that's where they're going but we are now living in a post um, Iron Man Captain America world in this universe and I, I'm really going to question the audience turnout you had a decade of these characters that people absolutely loved Two, technically three of the heavy hitters, Black Widow, uh, Iron Man, and Cap, are gone. They're not in this stuff anymore. And Marvel is, you know, they've spun gold so far. They're probably going to lose Spider-Man after this third film and whatever last Avengers movie that they do. So they're, you know, their track record says they can turn anything into a home run. I really question that with the Eternals. It's got a star-studded cast, but, you know, if it's just going to be this overalling space opera based on, you know, just if you know anything about the Eternals, which, by the way, not a lot of people do. It's not exactly, it, it cinematically, it'll look gorgeous, probably. But beyond that, it's like, I don't know if it really lends itself to, like, that Guardians of the Galaxy vibe. Guardians of the Galaxy was lightning in a bottle mostly due to James Gunn. This does not have a creative team that I am completely behind and confident that it can turn out something that people really want to see. I really do believe that Eternals is going to be Marvel's first, not failure, but disappointment. 
Um, so yeah, so there's there's three weeks between a big Marvel film and a couple of smaller movies and Kong and Godzilla. And the only other thing coming out uh, the day before Thanksgiving are King Richard, which is a Will Smith movie, which is about Venus and Serena Williams' father, uh, which will be it's going to be like an Oscar contender film. And then you have uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, which is a, it looks like it's a big uh, animated style film. I think, is this Disney? This might be Disney. So that might be the only thing that it's got going against it, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not Frozen 2. It's not, nothing like that. So we shall see. I think Kong and Godzilla have a, there's strong contention for this spot. Um, it looks like, you know, they, they will probably do very well there being like the one big recognizable thing there. So this might be better for everyone. And, and for us, you know, jumping from, uh, King of the Monsters to Godzilla vs. Kong within like a, a seven month period, you know, it, it was a little too good to be true, but you know what, much like everything, much like the Mandalorian is teaching us. Delayed gratification is a good thing. Waiting and building that anticipation, that's kind of what we want. That That's what builds the hype going into these things. So I think Rest Easy, uh, we'll probably see a trailer probably around. If we don't see it in March, we'll see it in May probably with, uh, if not, it, I think the very first time we'll probably see a trailer is probably with Wonder Woman, which is in June. That'll, that'll probably be the first time. So we got a we got a little while. There's other stuff coming out in between there. We got a lot it's all the stuff we just talked about earlier. There's so much to 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 be thankful for that uh, you know, hey, maybe waiting one more year for our next taste of uh, Godzilla, especially a, an epic rematch that is all, nearly 60 years in the making. You know, that's uh that's not a bad thing to do. So, all right. Well, we are going to wrap up this episode with the announcement of our second annual Kaiju Christmas. Uh, if you entered it last year, uh, you know that I give away some cool little goodies. Same thing this year, completely random. You won't know what you're getting. It is whatever I got laying around here. Uh, and I promise you it's going to be something cool. So if you want to enter... Uh, there's, it's two parts of this contest. I'm making you work a little bit for it. Now I'm making sure that people are listening to this episode so they can hear it. Uh, the, it will be three questions. Uh, one will be on, uh, or two of them will be on our Facebook page. And then one of them will be here on the, uh, the podcast. You have to answer all three of them correctly and send the answer to, uh, our email, the Kaiju the.kaiju.kingdom.podcast at gmail.com with the answers. And if you are right, we will get back to you and uh, uh, you can give us our your shipping address. It is open to um, America only, North America, so United States. I can do Canada, but past that, like right now, if I want to get everything to people by Christmas, international shipping is just out of the question at the moment. Um Maybe I'll do something in the summer for people who listen to us outside of uh, the United States and Canada. And uh, I promise to get you guys something really cool. So, with that being said, uh, here is uh, question one. If you can give me the right answer to that, along with the other two on our Facebook page, uh, you will win something. You want something fun. So, I need uh, two films. By I need I need two films. I need the... I need uh, the Netflix film that Adam Wingard made, and I need the uh, sequel to a horror movie, a, a small horror movie that he made. If you give me those two movies in question number one, uh, and you give me the, the right answers to the other two questions on the Facebook page, you win a prize. So, uh, good luck. The contest opens as soon as this episode is up. It's up as of December, uh, November 30th. Uh, and you have until December 8th, December 8th, uh, I'll be in contact with everybody, uh, on by the 8th, uh, to let you know who's won and, uh, get your shipping address. So I can get everything out so you can get it in time for Christmas. Uh, so you have until next Saturday. Good luck, everybody. And, uh, hopefully, uh, 
Hopefully we'll see, next Friday. I'm sorry. Next Saturday is the 9th. Well, by Friday, December 8th. So you have... Yes, you have a whole... Actually, no, I'm sorry. Next Sunday. I'm looking at the wrong... I am completely all over the place. Yeah, right, guys, it's been a long weekend. So you have until next... Uh, you have ne until next Sunday by uh, midnight. So anything after the 8th uh, Pacific Standard Time that I get will be completely disqualified. Uh, so then there's so there's that. Good luck, everybody. And uh, hopefully we'll be back with one more episode before the end of the year. Um, hopefully, I, maybe after Christmas. Uh, but definitely won't be hearing from us before Christmas because Jessica's out of town. It's holiday season. It's busy. We all got stuff going on. So I, if uh, on that note, thank you guys for uh, giving us another great year. If you don't hear from us then. And uh, good luck on the competition. And, uh, yeah. And uh, so on that note, uh, you can find more of us on Twitter. Our handle is at the Kaiju Kingdom. On Instagram, at the Kaiju Kingdom as well. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. And, uh, yeah, just uh, follow us there for uh, all of our uh, big updates and everything. And any news that comes out, that's where everything gets posted. So... That'll do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. For myself and Jessica, who's way over in Japan right now, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time.